Great to see everybody tonight. Welcome to Bible study. We're glad you're here. Let's get started with some prayer. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for filling us with your Holy Spirit. We ask you tonight, God, that you would fill us, the overflowing. And hey, God, we just see it's full of you, full of your power, full of your anointing, full of wisdom, full of understanding. We ask God that you would teach us tonight, and we pray that we'd have just really an open heart to take in, an open mind to take in what you want to say and what you want to do. So God, I'd ask that you would help us, each of us, to hear from you, each of us to speak what you would have us to speak, each of us, God, to to really be moved on and changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. So have your way, flow through us. I pray, God, life into this place and into our lives for asking in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, which I saw people taking earlier, uh, we're going to open up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. If you need a Bible, you can grab one off a table. And as you're turning there, just a quick reminder that we have an interactive feature available for Bible study. Through a website, www.speakpipe.com, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E.com, slash Monday Night Bible Study. That's all one word, Monday Night Bible Study. Uh, There's a button there that you can toggle and leave us what would appear to be a voice, mail. And uh, you can leave a message, you could like a a word of encouragement or a question or uh, some other type of Maybe a testimony of something that God has done, or God is doing, or if you'd just like to say hi, that'd be okay too. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll make sure to play that during the meeting. So take advantage of that, speakpipe.com, Monday Night Bible Study. Somebody have Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 2. All right, thanks for reading that. And if you want to read some context to that, just read above it and below it. And that helps you out with context quite a bit. Uh, but the idea with this, and and I, I really want you to, to think about what I'm about to say as I'm saying it. Uh, because there's an important lesson that's being taught in the book of Hebrews here. The writer of Hebrews wants us to know something, wants us to learn something, wants us to pick something up with this. And if we can do that, it could revolutionize the way that you see yourself, the way you see God, and it could also help you to really relax and really find some peace and really find some rest in God, if you could get a hold of this. And so I'm going to encourage you to try to get a hold of it. That's all I can tell you. The problem with getting a hold of it, though, is that you're going to have to dismiss some things that you believe. And whether or not you were brought up Christian doesn't matter. Whether or not you were brought up in a church doesn't matter. Uh, you've probably, regardless of your religious affiliation or church background, you've probably picked up some ideas about God or picked up some ideas about how things work or picked up some ideas about our lives in our spiritual lives, even if you really weren't actively involved, say, in Sunday school or actively involved in 
a church service or actively involved, God help you in Bible quiz. I mean, you probably, that was for you, Rebecca. Okay. Because <laughs> you're the only one that would even know what I'm talking about. But that was a joke, people. All right. Anyway, you might not have been involved in any of those things, and yet you would still have some kind of understanding of what I'm going to talk about tonight. And it may require you to dismiss some of that. It really might. It might really require you to dismiss some things that, that uh, people other that you know believe. And I, I, that might be okay. I know when I first became a Christian, uh, one of the first things that happened to me that night that I asked Jesus into my life, I started speaking in tongues. I didn't ask for that. I just started speaking in tongues. And so it was after that I started really researching, trying to figure out what that was all about because I had no idea. And I soon found out that uh, that put me at odds with certain people. That put me at odds with certain people like uh, the whole denomination that my grandfather was a pastor in. I didn't believe in that. That put me at odds with that. That put me at odds with other people that didn't believe in it. Put me at odds with people that I knew that didn't believe in it, but I didn't know they didn't believe in it because it never came up, right? How would I even know? There were other Christians that that I knew or that I would meet on campus after this, and some of them would really be, oh, wow, awesome. And some of them would be like, wow, yeah, we don't really believe in that. And so I'd be at odds with some people. And, and that, that's okay. I had an experiential reality that happened, and I wasn't going to sit there and try to figure out how to deny that because I was at odds with some people. I was happy to receive it. And I was happy with the tool that God gave me, and I was happy that, that it, something like that supernatural experience took place in my life. I needed that, actually, that night when I asked Jesus in. I needed that. I needed to, to have that kind of interaction with him. I needed to have that tool. I needed to have the Holy Spirit flowing through me like that. I really needed it. I needed it. And it was exactly what I needed exactly when I needed it. And I wasn't going to argue with anybody about it. I didn't have to prove my point. And if they wanted to try to prove their point, I always had the option just to walk away and say thanks anyway, which I did a couple times. So being at odds isn't really an issue, I don't think, unless you make it an issue. I don't have any kind of need in my life to make everybody believe what I believe. Now, you might find that amusing because I'm sitting here talking to you about something I believe in, but I don't have any real desire to make you believe it. If you want to believe it, you can. If you want to take it away, you can. If you want to leave it right where it's at, you can. You want to hand it back to me? Go ahead. It's okay. And, and, I, and I'm perfectly all right with that. And whatever part of me that may have ever existed where I had to just, you know, hammer it home to make sure that everyone had to believe what I believed is long gone. Wherever those things go, they go. And it's gone. So, I mean, I like a good argument like the next person, but, I mean, I don't have to win. All right? Sometimes I argue just for the sport. <laughs> and whether or not I win or not, that's fine. I prefer arguing about things that really don't matter. Yes? Are we talking about ghost peppers now? You could be. Right. Like something, for example, like the ghost pepper. 
I'll argue with somebody about the ghost pepper. And I take the, the, I take the stand that ghost peppers don't exist. I bought a plant. I planted it and nothing happened. No fruit doesn't exist. Zero. I had a ghost pepper plant that I got as a gift. And I, I watered it. I followed the instructions on it. The plant grew, but no peppers grew on it. Now, now you're thinking to yourself, they're ghost peppers. Maybe they're invisible. I thought of that, though. I thought of that, right? And I regularly checked it just in case. No peppers. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Now, that's another possibility that we can discuss. But... So we've had a couple of N equals 1, N equals 2 experiments with the ghost pepper. Didn't, didn't lead to anything. And, and so I, and I could continue on, but I don't need to. All right. But I'll take the position that they don't exist. Now, and I'll go to a restaurant, and I have chicken wings in ghost pepper sauce. Because I know that there's such a thing as ghost pepper sauce because it actually comes out on the chicken wing. And I eat it. Now, I don't know what it's made of. Don't care. All right, I, it's just what I order, and I'll order it, and I'll keep ordering it, and I know there's such a thing as ghost pepper sauce, and I'll eat ghost pepper sauce. But do I believe in the physical ghost pepper? The answer is no, I don't. And so I'll argue about something like that. And some people believe in it. Oh, I've seen one. Okay. Well, what do they look like? Did you eat it? What was it? You know, I mean, I'll ask questions about it, which makes people angry. But I will, and I want to know. But, so, so I don't mind arguing about stuff doesn't matter, and like I said, it's kind of a sport, but whatever. Like, I, it's, to, to think we have to convince anybody, you know, I, I want people to know Jesus, so I will present the best I know how to people and say, yeah, you can know him, and give them an opportunity to do that, but ultimately they're going to make their decisions, aren't they? All right, so this is one of those things, and I want you to just kind of stick with me tonight, and maybe at the end you'll say, yeah, I want to believe that. Well, don't forget, that might put you at odds with some people. Don't forget, maybe some people won't agree with you. Don't forget, maybe, maybe you were taught something else and you need to rethink that and reconsider it. Because I, I want you to think about, when I'm talking tonight, where the alternative has led you. I want you to think about that. And if the alternative of what I'm talking to tonight didn't lead you anywhere good, then maybe it'd be a good idea to leave that behind and try something new. Because you keep doing something that doesn't work, that's not good. And that's self-destructive in a lot of ways. And we need to stop. We need to stop that. All right, let's keep moving. So as Patrick was reading that, he describes something which would be, uh, which I would describe as a better sacrifice. Like, in other words, there was a better sacrifice that was made. You read the context of what that, this verse is talking about, and we're talking about a better sacrifice that was made. And that better sacrifice, just so there's no misunderstanding, the better sacrifice is Jesus. That is the better sacrifice. In other words, God manifest in flesh became the sacrifice, and the sacrifice was perfect and is perfect and remains perfect and was once and for all. That is the better sacrifice. But there's a contrast that's being drawn here between his sacrifice and the sacrifice that was being made at whatever you want to say, the tabernacle, the temple, wherever that sacrifice was being made, that once the law had been established, there was a sacrifice that was made 
over and over again every single year. And that annual sacrifice that was taking place every single year, and, and you can read the Old Testament and figure out what that is, read the law, all right? So there was a lamb that was sacrificed, there was the scapegoat that was, the sins of the people were put on, it was sent out of the camp, and this took place, these ceremonial things took place every single year. That's what happened. And those things continue to take place, continue to take place. And then at one point, Jesus, who was manifest, presented himself in full knowledge and full understanding of what he was doing, willingly presented himself as the perfect sacrifice. He was sacrificed on the cross. And that was the end of it. And what the, the writer of Hebrews He's saying, now, here's, here's the issue, and here's what I want you to think about. Right? Here's what I want you to think about. A, a better sacrifice was made. And the fact that the old way of doing things, that the annual ceremony that took place, that's what I was just talking about in the law, with the lamb that was sacrificed and the scapegoat that was sent outside the camp, that annual thing that took place every single year testified to its imperfection. I want you to think about that for a second. The very fact they had to do it every year testified to the fact that it was imperfect. Go back and read verse 1 of chapter 10. That is the testimony of that. It was the evidence of remaining unpardoned sin and guilt. Because every time you did it, it'd be, okay, this is the time, it's coming up, boom. There's a sacrifice once a year. But what does that remind you of? What's going to happen next year at the same time? Got to do it again. Why? Because there's still sin and there's still guilt. You understand? So in other words, like we got the sacrifice, we're going through the ceremony, but the very fact that you know it's going to happen next year tells you this. The sin and the guilt will still be there. So whether you feel good that day or the next day or whatever it is, the fact of the matter was is that it was going to happen again. The fact of the matter was is that there was going to be another ceremony in a year. The fact of the matter was is that whatever that sacrifice was, that lamb that was sacrificed, the scapegoat that was set outside the community, that ceremony proved and was evidence that it wasn't good once and for all. In other words, it was imperfect. It had to be done over and over again. And so whatever that system, that law system was, you can be assured of one thing, that it couldn't take care of our issues. It was imperfect to do so. And it remembered and reminded us of our sin and our guilt. And really that was the law's job, to remind us of our sin and guilt. So it was part of that system. Now, there's a better sacrifice been made. And nothing that I've said so far, as far as what the, the annual sacrifice accomplished, is any different than what most of us were taught in churches growing up. Right? I just want to tell you that. Some of you were brought up in a tradition where 
in, in a practical way, a sacrifice is made in every service. That at every service is the sacrifice of Jesus. At every service is you being set free from guilt and from sin. But you know at the next service they're going to do the same thing. So what does that tell you? That it's not working. It's not working. That's why what that produces is the same thing that the law produced. And that is you always feel guilty. You always feel shamed. You always feel like you can't do it right. And then you're easily controllable. So there's a whole system that's been developed based on an old system that the writer of Hebrews in 10.2 is saying doesn't work. And those of you that were brought up in that, you know who you are because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm saying. And it doesn't have to be any one thing. There's a lot of the systems that there's, there is one original church that was, that was based on, but how many other churches have been spawned from that church? All of them. And how many of them hold elements of that same thing? Over and over and over again, weekly, monthly, however often it takes place. But you got, oh, I, oh, cleansing. Oh, it'll come up again. What does that mean? I'm guilty. What does it mean? I, I'm not clean. Well, how do I know that? Well, because I'll get it next month, and next month, or next week, or tomorrow. How often are you going to get it? I don't know. But it's telling you over and over and over again that you can't get clean, and you can't get free, really, because you keep needing it. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that a better sacrifice has been made once and for all. There's no more. It's done. And that better sacrifice is this, that whatever sin, whatever guilt, whatever it is, it's been completely and utterly paid for. Yeah. The whole thing, it reminds me of like that constant fight that people tend to believe that they're still fighting their old man, but the old man was put to death. Right. Right. But why? That, you know, and maybe that's too big of a philosophical question. But am I, I mean, think about that. But why would it perpetuate that? If you want to be the sole arbiter of forgiveness and cleansing, why do you need people to know? All well, oh, right, that they're they're sinful and dirty. Yeah. Yeah. If you can keep. If you can keep that right, if you can keep that perpetuated, then, oh, okay, there's a constant need for the other. But the truth of the matter is, is that what this verse tells us is that there's been once and for all cleansing. There's been once and for all cleansing. And maybe you weren't taught that. I wasn't. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you don't believe that. I don't know. But, but when we come into that place where we're clean once, I mean, you think about medicine, the, the old way of thinking about medicine, not the new way, the old way. The old way to think about medicine was this, is if you're sick, you take medicine. What's medicine supposed to do? It's supposed, that's the new way. What's it supposed to do? That's the new way. The old way with medicine, what was it supposed to do? It was supposed to 
cure you. Right? So you take your medicine, and then you get better. So once you get better, do you need to keep taking the medicine? No, not in the old way of thinking. Right. Done. You're healed up. It's good. Yeah? I was, when you were talking about that, I was thinking of our first trip to Senegal, mm-hmm. and you were talking to that guy, John, and you asked him, does the sacrifice work? And he said, no. And, and then you go, why do you do it? He said, I don't know. Right. He had no answer. Because there is no answer. So now, so, okay, back to the medicine. If you take the medicine, and after you take the medicine, you're still sick, what does that tell you? Medicine doesn't work. So what do you need to do? Stop taking the medicine. (laughs) You need to stop taking the medicine. Okay, so these are the old ways of thinking. Those of you that are younger... All right, you've been taught something different. What you've been taught is, is that take this. It'll make you feel better. Keep taking it. I'm still sick. Yep, just keep taking it. Keep going. Try this one, yeah. Take that one. And we'll give you other medicines to take for the side effects. Yeah. You see, now, that wasn't always the way people thought. And that wasn't always the way of medicine. And I want you to understand that. That's not the way medicine was done. And as much as you can say that we've made a ton of progress, which we have, people are living longer, people are existing longer at least, Right, and you can say that, and I mean, I I have no argument with that. But there's something to be said for, hey, is it working? Did it work, or didn't it? All right, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. But, but understand that there's a different philosophy here. And what I'm trying to get at with all of us is that even within the spiritual things we're talking about here, even within the church, you're looking at two different philosophies. All right? There's the old way that was done in the Old Testament, but not even the whole Old Testament. Just after the law was given. <clears throat> And, and that became a norm that, that even like what, what Tom was saying, why do you do the sacrifice? Does it work? No. Why do you keep doing it? I don't know. Right. Why would you keep doing it? When? I heard somebody say it might work. When? And when do you give up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you brought in another element, though. Oh, you just added a new element. Fear. That's the new element. So why do you keep going? Fear. Right. Right. Fear's why you keep going. You need to keep doing this, because if you stop, what's going to happen? You're going to hell. Right. But it's not working. 
you better keep going. That's your fault. That's your fault. You're not doing it right. Try again. You're not doing it right. Keep going, because if you don't keep going, you're going to hell. I'll be the judge of who does it right. You keep going. Right? All right. See, all that's just messed up. And I hope you can see that's messed up. There's no way to live. We've been fully discharged from guilt and transgressions. We have been pardoned, justified, and acquitted through one sacrifice, once and for all. How many times is Jesus on the cross? One time. How many times is Jesus going to die? One time. How many times... And I want you to think about how many times was he going to be beaten? How many times was his blood going to be spilled? How many times was he going to go through the crucifixion? How many times is that ever going to happen? You know how many times it's going to happen? One time. There is nothing else. That's it. That's all. And what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell the Hebrews that he's writing to was that you got to get over this. And that means you need to get out of the fear you need to get out of the old ways. You need to get out of the old thinking. You need to get out of the old way of doing things. And I know none of us are Hebrews, but the same word is coming to us. We've got to get out of the old ways if we're really going to look at this with any kind of understanding. And what we need to look at with any kind of understanding is this. There's only one sacrifice. It happened once. That's it. There's never, there's no more need for any sacrifice. There's no more need for Jesus to die again. There's no more need for him to be on a cross again. It, none, zero. That's all there was. That's all there's ever going to be. For all of eternity, that was it. So everything before that to him, everything after that, after him to us, is that, that's it. That's all there is. And let that just get into our hearts and get into our minds. There's nothing else. But that's all that's needed. And it forces us into a position, what are you going to believe about that? What am I going to believe about that? There is no imperfection in it. It's solid, it's real, and it's forever. It's what it is. And so unless we are going to try to place some kind of an imperfection into what he did on the cross that one time, we're going to try to place some kind of imperfection into his sacrifice. What that sacrifice means is that there has been cleansing, there has been a remission, a discharge from guilt, from transgressions, a pardon, a justification, and an acquittal for all time. It's done. That's what it means. Unless you're going to believe there's some kind of imperfection in that. Which I don't. I refuse to believe that. I know it's done. And so the real issue becomes, how are you going to live? In my notes, when I was taking notes on these verses, the last thing I said on it, I said, stop living in guilt. Stop it. How are you going to live? I mean, I was writing that note to me, but I'm sharing it with you. How are you going to live? 
The old way was to live in guilt. Why? Because every time you went, you were reminded of the guilt, you were reminded of the sin, you were reminded of the imperfection, because the sacrifice had to be made over and over and over again for you. But if there's only one, one time, one sacrifice, perfect in all of its ways, over time, space, lifetimes, then that is forgiveness. That is cleansing. That is the justification and pardon and acquittal. That's what it is. We need to stop the mentality of the old way. Where's the fear in that? There is no fear. There is no fear in that. He did it already. I mean, how do we, where do we grab hold of that? Well, we have a relationship with him. That's what we have. And so uh, it's another Bible study to start talking about what salvation is. But the bottom line of salvation, the bottom line of, of what this means is that whatever we need has been done. And, and we don't need to, we shouldn't live in guilt. We shouldn't live in fear. And those of you that came out of the old system, I don't know how many times I can say this, stop living in guilt. And, and I'm going to take it one step further for you. You are rejecting the provision of Christ by living in guilt. You are telling him that his sacrifice is imperfect. And so I guess you're waiting for him to do what? Die again? You're waiting for him to do what? Get on the cross again? Wait for him to shed his blood again? What are you waiting for? You waiting for it again? Go ahead. When I was younger, I don't call it being told this, but in my head I came to the conclusion that when I was sinning, I was making Jesus go through all that suffering all over. Right? That is a common belief, and it's a point of control over children. Right. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, I, that's a common. That's a common statement. That's a common belief. Common belief. And if we sat here long enough and you tell me what you believe about all this, I could, yeah, there are probably a lot of common beliefs in here. I'm just trying to say they're wrong. And whether you want to believe me or not, that's up to you. Like I said from the very start, I mean, you've you got to choose how you're going to believe. And not everyone's going to agree. Not everyone's going to be like on board and say, yeah, you know. I'm sure there's somebody listening to this podcast right now whenever they listen to it. And they're, they're thinking to themselves, heresy. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't think it's heresy. I, I think it's well thought out, and I think it's scriptural. But people believe what they believe. So can I encourage you to, again, what I said at the beginning, think about it. Think about what you believe 
and where that's gotten you. All right? Think about what that means. Think about living in guilt. Think about you know how you've been paralyzed in fear or afraid to do anything or afraid to live or afraid to, to do something for God or afraid to speak for him or afraid to do whatever it is that you've been afraid to do. I want you to think about that. Where did it get you? Where did all that guilt get you? Where did all that shame get you? Where did all that, well, yeah, I'm a worm. Where did that get you? Worm? You worm. There's a movie, uh, never mind. I don't want to get into it. I always think of that movie when I hear that word, worm, you worm. Okay, it's the movie Wildcats. You ever see that? Wildcats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I was just transported over to young Goldie Hawn in a movie. Wildcats, yes. All right. But think about where that leads you. Where's it? Where's it take you to? Good spots? No, no. You know, as we get free from that, I mean, as a church, as we get free from that. We become more effective. As we get free from that, our lives get better. As we become free from that, we, we're really a better witness of Jesus, if you think about it. I mean, there's people out there in the world like, aren't you supposed to be doing this? Aren't you supposed to be doing that? Like, buddy, you don't even know Jesus. Why are you asking me this stuff? Seriously. I mean, I, I've had that. Why? Because they heard that somewhere. Or they were brought up in that, and they hated it, and so they rejected it. But they're going to hold me to it. Well, I, would, I don't want to live that way either. If I really believed that, I wouldn't be doing this either. I just think you're wrong. Period. That's all. You know, I've had that conversation with lots of people. They say, well, you know, what about this, this, and this? Like, do you really believe that? Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I wouldn't really follow God either if I believed that. That's horrible. I don't believe that. Here's what I believe. Lots of times. But that's how people are raised. Does it mean you have to stay that way? No. It's time to change our minds. And, and I'm gonna, this is going to sound mean, all right, right in a second. If you're one of those people that struggle with guilt and fear because of the way you were brought up and, and you won't just let it go and be done with it and walk a different direction, I don't understand that. I'm just telling you right now, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get the hold that has on you anymore. Is brainwashing maybe but you can read the scriptures over and over again brainwash yourself to something that's true something that trumps that right I, I, I don't get it anymore I get it at first because you're coming out of something I get it at first well that's all I knew well you know something else you've been presented with something else a truth that you can just read over and over again if you want. Just read it over and over again. It's good. Do it. But leave it behind. Leave the other stuff behind. Please. we got to get rid of that. 
Let it go. As we go back to the whole thing, it, what is it like not to feel guilty? That's awesome. No more sense of guilt to trouble us. That's what this verse talks about. It really does. This verse literally talks about not living in guilt, not having a sense of guilt, like that whole thing that troubles us all the time anymore. I mean, <clears throat> you think about if you get healed of something, why do you want to keep acting like you're sick? Right? It's like somebody, you know, let's say somebody's in a wheelchair, but they miraculously get healed and they can walk. Why would they ride around in a wheelchair anymore? Why? I mean, I, I, just, I mean, get a better parking spot? Why would you do that? I mean, maybe. You know, and, and going back to the whole thing, it's like you, you, you're, you're sick, you take med- medication to make you better, and it's not, you're not any better. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. And here we are. We don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to live in guilt. We don't have to live in shame. There's a sacrifice that's been made 2,000 years ago to set us free, to cleanse us, and to, to all those words, pardon us and justify us and acquit us and, and set us free from our transgressions. It's, been, it's happened already. Stop it. Stop it. And that's really all I can say about that. Stop it. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. So, where are we at? So I look at Romans 5. Bob Newhart. Yeah, there's a clip on YouTube with Bob Newhart. If you ever look it up, he's a, he's a he played a psychologist on television, and uh, it, like, there's this clip of him just snapping on somebody. He's like, "Stop! Just stop! <laughs> Why are we still talking about this? If you just stop, we don't have to talk about it anymore. So would you stop?" He's going on and on. <laughs> <laughs> or Dennis Leary, but I can't re- I can't repeat what he said. <laughs> I could leave out I could leave out the bad word and say this. He he's a Dr. Dennis Leary, my new self help book. It's called <laughs> Shut Up. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Leary really helped me. You know, I was complaining and talking about all my stuff, and all he said he said Shut up. That really helped me because I shut up then. You know, I mean, shut up. Anyway, don't want to put you out of a job over here. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody got it? Romans 5? <laughs> First one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so we've been justified through what? Faith. And we have what with God? Peace. Peace. Now, does that sound like we need to be all afraid all the time? Does that sound like we need to live in guilt and shame? Does that, is that what that sounds like to you? Is that living in peace with somebody? No. Okay, somebody read verse 2. 
All right, so we've gained access to grace in which we now stand. Does that sound like a bunch of people afraid? Or does that sound like a bunch of people that are confident? In fact, we boast, right? Not in us, but in that grace. See, we have a confidence in it. So we're taking this a, step, a little few steps further. Not only are we not groveling, not only are we not living as worms, not only are we not living in fear, not only are we not living in guilt, but we're actually standing in grace, living at peace with God and boasting. That sounds good, right? All right, somebody read verse 11. So, taking another step, okay, taking another step, we're at peace, we are standing, we're boasting, and what does that verse say? We're, re we're reconciled, and we're doing what? Rejoicing. We're rejoicing. We're rejoicing. So we're, we're even taking it a step further. We're not even just satisfied with just not living in guilt or fear. We're, we're taking it a step. We're standing and we're boasting and we're rejoicing. Wow. I mean, I know, I know this is taking it too far, okay? I know we're taking it too far now. Not only can you get out of the pit, you can climb up onto the mountain. All right, because of what he's done. And none of this, notice, really doesn't have anything to do with you. I'm just asking how you're going to choose to live. How are you going to choose to live? If you've been living in fear and in shame and guilt, stop. Just stop. You have a choice to make. And if you don't want to make that choice, then you get to keep doing what you're doing. And some of you will. Some of you are going to keep doing what you're doing. I know that. I'm convinced of that. Because you know how I'm convinced of that? Because it's happened over and over and over again. You hear a teaching. You hear the word of God. You hear what the Bible says. You hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. And you reject it. And you just keep doing what you're doing. Well, you strong, stubborn person. Great job great job and you keep living in your guilt and you keep living in your fear and it's never going to go anywhere great well here's another chance here it is it's come up again another chance you can read in Hebrews if you want to read in Romans do that wherever you want to read it I could find other places in the New Testament talk about this too. 
But you have an opportunity to leave behind the guilt, leave behind the fear, take hold of peace with God, standing before Him, boldly, boldly proclaiming and rejoicing. Yeah. That sounds so much better to me. I can't even tell you. It sounds so much better that I've been fully discharged. So much better to know I've been set free. So much better to know I've been pardoned and justified and acquitted. And that sense of guilt to trouble me is gone. I'm good. Good to go. Alright? Not because of me, because of him. But I'll boast about that. I'll rejoice in that. But that's what he's done for us. Why don't we just live in that? Sounds good to me. Sound good to people? I know you're going to shake your head, but not everybody's going to do it. Thank you. I'm pulling for you, too. I really am. That's why I keep teaching stuff, because I'm pulling for you. All right? I just, I can't make you do it. Right? I just can't. I can't make you do it. And if you don't believe it or whatever, that's up to you. I believe it. I believe it. And I'm going to live in it. And I'm going to rejoice. And I'm going to boast. And I'm going to be at peace. That's my choice. You make your choice. Let's take a few minutes and pray. Heavenly Father, I, I just ask you that you would uh, really speak to our hearts tonight. And maybe there's something in us that we need to really just tell to shut up. Some lie that persists. Some spirit that, that lying spirit that would try and continue to keep us in bondage and guilt that we really just need to tell us shut up tonight. So we pray for one another that the lies of the enemy would just be shut up in one another tonight. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to listen to that, and we choose not to. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you would bring revelation of your sacrifice. I pray revelation, real revelation of the sacrifice of Jesus tonight into our hearts, into our lives. A revelation that would speak to us about once and for all. A revelation that would speak to us about the depth, the breadth of, of that sacrifice, the length of it, how far it actually goes. And what it actually means in our life tonight. And I pray that we'd see your sacrifice as bigger than we have before. Once and for all. That it would be so much grander than it's ever been in our thinking or ever been in our belief or ever been in our hearts before. That it would be that much bigger. And I pray that revelation over us. God, I pray that we could receive of you tonight. 
I want to say thanks for peace with you. Yeah, you've given us peace. We can live at peace. That we don't, not fear and not guilt and not shame. But we could really live at peace with you. That there, there's a boldness in that. A real boldness in, in knowing that you've made peace with us. And that we can live at peace. That we're not tiptoeing around our lives. That we're not tiptoeing around our faith. That we're not tiptoeing around our relationship with you. But we're bold about it. And so God, I, I pray that we find that kind of boldness. I'd ask you God that we learn what it is to live in joy. In our life. I mean, real joy. We learn what it is to live in real freedom and liberty. We learn, God, what it means to be set free from just whatever hindrances that we've agreed to in our life. We're going to disagree with them now. We're going to disagree with the, the lies of the enemy. We're going to disagree with the lies that were put into us as children. We're going to disagree with the lies that have persisted. And we're going to receive the cleansing of that big, huge, all-encompassing sacrifice that you made to cleanse us from even those things. God, I just pray more, more, more. More of that grace. More of that forgiveness and cleansing over us, God. A real sense of that, that we can dwell in it. Right here, right now. Thanks, Lord. I just want to encourage you as you're sitting here to make your decisions. And not just in words, but actually really make your decisions about how you're going to live. That you're just not going to live a certain way anymore. You're just not going to do it. Nope. Done with that. Finished. Finished with that. Finished with that way of seeing things. Finished with that way of doing things. Done. Bring on the rejoicing. Bring on the life. Bring on the grace. Yeah. Bring on the peace. Yeah, thanks, God. <coughs> thanks, God. So we leave behind the old ways. And we take the way, the way, Jesus, that you've made for us. And all that goes with it. Thank you, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 amen.